In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Today, we're remaking High Spirits, which means that we know that no respectable ghost would live in California. So, (laughs) Chris, is High Spirits a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? It has not been. Um, As far as I know, it will not be, but I think that it should be. Yeah, I love it. So I'm going to start with this. How did you first hear of this movie? So um, I, I'm struggling to remember the specific details of how I first saw this movie. But So this came out in 1988. And in 1989, my family and I moved to Germany, uh, military. So we were stationed in Germany. And we had like AFN, the Armed Forces Network, to watch in English. And that was it. And I didn't learn German because I didn't. I'm American. Um, and... Um, <laughs> While we were there, we would go to the movie, th- uh, the 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 video store, like all the time. And I I'm pretty sure I first rented High Spirits there when I was like eight, um, and I watched <laughs> it there. And then when we came back to the states, uh, I would spend summers like with my grandpa, my grandma in in Oklahoma, and with all my little cousins um, and a couple big cousins. But we would go to the blockbuster all the time, and we rented a number of movies like over and over again. We would rent like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two over and over and over again and hocus pocus over and over again and high spirits is one of the ones that we rented over and over again and and after we stopped renting it from the blockbuster i think by then it was like in constant rotation on like tbs superstation so i've yeah. seen this movie so many times and like since then since like i you know i i went to college and moved on and and got a life and don't have basic cable anymore like when this comes across my path, I'll watch it again. But that only happens every couple of years. Like the most recent uh, time I saw it, like the most recent it popped up is um, I, it was a trailer or something for like one of the last Ideal Remake uh, mm-hmm. episodes. And then YouTube suggested, hey, you should watch uh, High Spirits. And I was like, oh, wow, I guess I have to. <laughs> if YouTube thinks so, I simply <laughs> must. Thanks, algorithm. <laughs> uh, that really knows me that's funny i i've never heard of this movie before you recommended it and then you like posted like and it and then you were like well i just watched high spirits and honestly this movie is perfect for this show yeah because it's obscure but it's like it's got amazing a cat an amazing cast yeah peter o'toole <laughs> peter o'toole Granted, uh, I think this was the time in his career when he he was doing the Nicolas Cage thing and just said yes to everything. There's a number of great lesser known Peter O'Toole films. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool with it. So, uh, sorry, before we get any further, um, I, I'm always bad at like doing this. Hey, Chris, do you want to talk about yourself for a little bit so that people know who you are? Do I want to talk about myself for a little bit? I mean, Sam. I mean, you're a returning guest after having previously come on to remake Logan's Run, but... Uh, That's true, and it was such a have... successful episode. Go us. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm Chris O'Connor. I'm, you can find me on uh, Twitter very stupidly under my full name, Chris.O'ConnorIV, at, tw- uh, you know, at Chris.O'ConnorIV, so I can never disassociate any of my terrible tweets from my full legal name, because I'm stupid. Uh, and... and uh, <laughs> 
And uh, I am also one of the co-hosts on uh, Dueling Genres Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, where we have covered uh, the 1990 TMNT and then TMNT 2, The Secret of the Ooze, one minute at a time, like all the way through. And uh, as of recording this with you, we are just now working our way up to recording the third Ninja Turtles movie, which... There's a little there's a little trepidation on our part, but we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it because people love Ninja Turtles. We love Ninja Turtles, and we owe it to all the people who love Ninja Turtles to talk about the third live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. One minute at a time. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sure it's gonna be fine. All right, it's great, be perfect. Great. Yeah. Uh, so I watched this movie for the first time two nights ago. Yeah, two nights ago, yeah. and I. I, I was going to, like, I almost messaged you while I was watching this, but this movie burned <laughs> through plot so fast. So fast. So fast. Like, it basically is, like, it's three different plots, each of, <laughs> each of which could be their own separate movie. Absolutely. The first plot, well, the mortgage on this castle is going to shut us down. The only <laughs> thing we have to do is fake that it's haunted in order to lure in unsuspecting tourists in order to earn A reverse to Scooby-Doo. A reverse I don't think that's a reverse Scooby-Doo. I think that's just a Scooby-Doo. Okay, it is just a Scooby-Doo. But we're on the ghost's side. Yes. So then that fails, but it angers the real ghosts <laughs> in that in haunting this ca- uh, castle. And so then we have another bit of like, oh, now this castle's really haunted and we're going through that whole process. Oh, no. And then we get to this other point where it turns out one of the ghosts, two of the ghosts are this like couple where the husband killed her on their wedding night. Oof. And then, as far as I can tell, lived a full life and then died peacefully in his sleep. But now also is a ghost haunting this castle. I don't, I don't think so. Cause he's, cause they, they seem to be uh, all, all the goat, you know, ghost mechanics. They seem to be sort of the age they were when they died in, for the most part. So I think he died shortly after what happened. Cause do you think uh, Liam Neeson threw Liam Neeson ghost threw himself off the, uh, off maybe. the balustrades in shame for having murdered his wife? And, you know, it is entirely possible that that was in the original cut of the film. This, Like you say, it burns through plot, and there's so much going on. This movie's only an hour and 39 minutes, which, you know, I guess is a respectable and length. And a lot of that's credits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and, and uh, the director, uh, writer-director Neil Jordan of uh, The Crying Game, uh, <laughs> uh, he, he, you know, the famous uh, Irish auteur, uh, he maintains to this day that uh, this is not the movie he made. Like the movie he shot and the movie that he started to cut together, um, there was more complex. There was it was you know it was kind of a mystery. I don't I'm not sure what the mystery would be given the footage that is there for us. But yeah, apparently and famously, like the studio, like they got a hold of his first cut and said, "We don't know how to sell this. Uh, <laughs> we don't know what to do with this." And then they locked him out of the editing room. They edited it together and the released version, he's like, he's disavowed it. He's like, I, I, you know, my version of the film exists, but I guess nobody's ever going to see it. So. So you're saying, uh, release the Jordan cut. Oh, (laughs) Oh. I, I am, you know, I, I would never say that, but I would be interested to see what he did. Uh, I'd be interested in hearing a conversation where he said, so this is the original idea of the movie. I don't necessarily, because I I feel like that would be more interesting. Like have him do a director's commentary. Absolutely. And I I think that for this remake, remake, he should be involved as perhaps some sort of a producer and at least consulted. You know, they can talk to him about it. 
But uh, just to skip ahead in the podcast, we're not going to have him direct it. <laughs> no. God, this no. movie's weird. This, <laughs> this movie makes Daryl Hannah choose Steve Gutenberg over <laughs> Liam Neeson. And that is a decision that makes no sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Well, I mean, in in the context of the characters that they portray, one is the the more attract the objectively more attractive man is a wife murdering asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so there is oh, yeah. that. He is a stalker, wife murdering asshole. He is all of those things. He is and the Steve worst. Gutenberg is just he's an a, idiot. Sh- he's a schlub. He's the he's yeah. the worst. I mean, Steve Gutenberg he's, also probably not a great guy. He's the he's the sitcom husband. Yeah, he really is. I uh, man, um, this movie. Like, <laughs> I genuinely enjoyed this movie, but not because it's good. I'm glad to hear that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I do. You know, I obviously have my nostalgia glasses. I, you know, I look back on it through the rose tinted shade of youth, and 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 I love it. But I, as I said, I haven't seen this in a long time, and so when the algorithm popped it up into my in front of me a couple of weeks ago and and I watched it I was just like you know I enjoyed it and I had a good time and it's a fun romp but I was also like oh that's actually terrible oh <laughs> ooh, wow ooh, okay and then when I showed it to my wife she was like this movie sucks <laughs> <laughs> and and then I you know I look it up on IMDb I look it up on Metacritic and it was you know it was it was yeah but if you look at the comments on YouTube, because this movie is available for free on YouTube, which is how yep. you know how good it is. For years, for years, nobody's yep. tried to take it down. It was put up like in 2014. Yep. <laughs> so that's don't how good feel it is. bad. Don't <laughs> feel bad about it. Go look it up. <laughs> and, but like all the comments, like every once in a while, like if I watch the movie on YouTube or something, I'll scroll down and look at the comments. All the comments are like, this movie has such terrible reviews, but I love it. And I'm like, yeah. Like, I. Nostalgia yeah. glasses for something like this are very, very real. Yeah. I mean, I have a serious problem with how Sharon and Martin uh, ended up together because she's like, he's like, yes, I'm a murderer, but I'm Liam Neeson, aren't I? Yeah. And, and literally like, that's it. Ugh, that line at and, the end when he's like, oh, it hurt me worse than it hurt you. I was just like, oh. No, it did not. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. It's not good at all. Oh, man. But, okay, so I will say that some of the special effects, cheesy though they may have been, were good and fun because yeah. they set it up with, here are some really shitty ghosts. Yeah. Like, when they're doing the fake ghost thing, like, uh, they are... That's rough. ...hamming it up, and it's not great. And you're like, this isn't going to work. No one's going to believe this. And they don't. And it's the best part. Immediately. Because I thought that was going to be the whole movie. Because I kind of watched a trailer... And I was like, yeah. okay, I get it. Let's talk about this. Because I didn't want to see too much. And I thought that was going to be the entirety of the movie. But then Don't they were so bad. Yeah, gone. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, cool. Now what? And then like the, like uh, Peter O'Toole's real ghost dad shows up. And uh, hanging out with his alive mom is like, the ghosts aren't pleased about this. I bet. We're going to have to do something. And then actual things happen. Like... <laughs> Like, uh, Miranda's bed starts spinning. There's, go- like, ghosts and spooks all over the place. Well, her bed spinning was the fake. That was Oh, yeah, fake. I'm sorry. Yeah. That, that was the fake one. But, like, the weird ghost nuns that so throw... That was legitimately scary. Yeah, that <laughs> the, was the, weird. The, the Jawa nuns. 
the Jawa nuns. It's hard a, to it's hard to imagine that, but if you watch this, you'll you'll get what we mean by Jawa nuns. Yeah, there's there's a moment where uh, there's a guy staying there who's a paranormal investigator, and there's this time like, he gets struck by lightning, and I legitimately like, did they just kill this guy? My wife what thought the same happened? thing. <laughs> and like like literally he's laying on this thing smoking and then he blinks and i'm like okay i guess he's alive yeah. but there's a moment later in this movie where he's gonna go out exploring and trying to figure out what's going on and he's standing in front of i think it's a fish yeah. statue and yeah. a bloody hand shoots out of it and grabs him yeah. and that was a legitimate jump scare for me like i was i was expecting the fish to move i wasn't <laughs> expecting a bloody hand to come out of this fish i was like all right movie you got me that was a good scare yeah, there, there are a couple of them in there. Like, they're a little incongruous. Like, they don't kind of, it's kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And then when Liam Neeson possesses, like, the bus and is driving after them, and, like, all the animated ghosts start flying out of the bus, picking people up. I I imagine in, our, in the remake, that will be a much scarier scene. <laughs> I was more impressed with how it looked, like because there, yeah. like I wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't scary at all. Yeah, but like was, the ghosts were picking things collapsed. up. Yeah, because this is, I mean, I would say this is ninety percent comedy, ten percent horror, yeah. if that. Yeah. But no, all right, I will say it is eighty-five percent comedy, ten percent horror, five percent romance. <laughs> they didn't fall in love awfully quickly <laughs> and like don't you love me i don't know i guess i just and saw then, you the other day yeah I, do I? I i don't know i'm a loser I, I mean you are kind of like backing me into this whole relationship thing like i literally just saw you and now you're devastated like this is really emotionally manipulative daryl hannah <laughs> like what are you even doing to be fair, if anybody's going to mis- manipulate your emotions, it might as well be Daryl Hannah. Yeah. I mean, previously on this podcast, we've done Splash. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like we've now hit the two big Daryl Hannah supernatural th- uh, romances. Yeah. Daryl Hannah. Mermaid. Ghost and Mermaid. She can be a mermaid she's, ghost. She has such range. <laughs> yeah. And uh, not for nothing, this is an award-nominated film. She was nominated for a Razzie. She yeah. didn't win, but she won. No. <laughs> I saw that in the comments too, and I was legitimately surprised. I did not think it was. I didn't think her performance was Razzie worthy. Hmm. It was. It, yeah. It wasn't I, good. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't good. And I, you know, from from this, like, as much as Steve Gutenberg is kind of like a eh? Steve Gutenberg. You know, you kind of scratch your head and be like, why did that happen? But uh, yeah. like in an interview, you know, like he was very generous. He's like, yeah, her her Irish accent was great. And I'm like, well, that's a nice guy. When she was <laughs> when she turned it on, there's some <laughs> scenes where it's like, um, no accent here. Accent over here. No accent here. And then she'd use the accent. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Irish. <laughs> and so then. So basically their romance progresses because the basic premise is that like Daryl Hannah was murdered and then like she has to live out this murder every day for 200 years, which is not just the murder, but like the whole wedding day up to the night. Like he, he finds her at some point, like on the other side of the the lake away from the castle and she's by a tree, like saying prayers to the saints and, you know, and Mary and be like, you know, get me out of this, please. You know, I'm, I'm really scared. Like, I don't want to marry him. It's an arranged marriage. This sucks. And she has to do this forever, I guess. And then every night, the murder scene. But not just once every night. It happens over and over again, like on repeat, like an animated GIF. 
Yeah, for no reason, really, but doesn't really matter. And so Steve Gutenberg interrupts this process and like he ends up getting ghost stabbed in place of her when he is drunk. Drunkity um, drunk. But the drunkiest. And <laughs> and so then Daryl Hannah fixates on him and is like, Well, clearly this guy had saved me this one time. I should be in love with him forever. And they start going through that process. And then in the meantime, the guy who's killing her, Liam Neeson, is like, oh, I guess I'm free now too. Hey, that dude's wife's pretty hot. I should go be in the shower when she's in the shower. It's, uh, I mean, I get that it's 80s comedy. Look, it's 80s comedy in a way that's like, "Mm, it shouldn't be happening. It's weird and bad. It's not, it's not, it's not as bad as Revenge of the Nerds, but it's it's pretty bad. No, Revenge of the Nerds is, is pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Um, but yeah, the, <laughs> so that's essentially the movie. Like, yeah. what are we going to do? So, um, cause we have the big three components, right? Yeah. Do we still have to maintain all three? I, you know, I, I, I want to i want to maintain them i want you know because there's like a sort of sense like you know that first component about the, the mortgage and peter o'toole and like you know uh mr brugan over in america wanting to take the castle that's that feels like a, a meaningful plot something can be said there there's something to that i want to keep that i want to keep uh you know the the ghost story there and then i want to do something with the romance but i i we we should do I think it's going to end up being a longer movie than the one from the eighties, but I think it should still yes. be a movie, but I think we can, I think a, a, a good team can make these three things happen and connect them in such a way that it's satisfying and functional. Then before we actually start building it up, cause I agree with you. I think we also need to discuss tone cause I kind of went zany farcical comedy, which I think is where this needs to live. Yeah. But we're dipping into other genres. Yeah, because I think I, at the end of the day, this is a comedy, and yes, I absolutely it's, it's a comedy stays, now. If that's not how it was originally intended, mm, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure Neil Jordan like will will get a hold of you know he'll see it and be like, that's not what I wanted. That's not what I wrote. I'm like, well, okay, but oh, this is what rumpf. I, yeah, he'll rump about it. But it's like, okay, buddy, you go make Byzantium two or whatever. You cast Steve Gutenberg. It's a comedy. <laughs> I don't care if you're cocoon. You cast yeah. Steve Gutenberg. It's a comedy. Yeah, and also just what you shot is really comedic. I mean, like you know, you can say like editing can change things and music can change things, but you know, you had like a cardboard octopus steal a kid, <laughs> which was great, and I genuinely loved that scene. That was great because once again, so I'm like, good. are they going to kill this kid? <laughs> like I thought yeah. they were like. I thought they were uh, 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 Charlie and the Chocolate Factoring the kid. Oof. Oh man, that was awesome! And then oh. you also have like these weird bits where like Peter O'Toole's getting out the rope. He's there, gonna hang a lot himself. of there's a lot of suicidal ideation. Like and waka and Steve waka, and, and like Steve Gutenberg is like, I had a bad night and I'm drunk and my wife won't sleep with me, so I guess I'm gonna just overdose on her Valium. Yeah. I was just like, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> and then Daryl Hannah like switches the bottles and he takes a bunch of headache medication. So instead, he so overdoses sh- on Tylenol. Yeah, and then the next day, Bevy- Beverly D'Angelo roofies herself on Valiums, um, which was okay. Great. Yeah. All right. Um, 
it should definitely still be a comedy. It, I, I want it to still be pretty screwball, but uh, you know, I, I, I want it would be good if the the romance can come across and and the sort of drama about the castle and the villagers and their plight and their their conflict with you know this this expat in the in America that wants to rip the castle to pieces and make it a joke in in California. Yeah, I agree with all of that. The way I think I would structure it is I think we have three stories. Let's make that our act one, act two, act three. Our teaser is premise. Here's what's happening. Because they basically say, they they lay it out in like a minute. Castle's going to get sold. We need to bring in money. Let's fake some ghosts. Cool. (laughs) Uh, Great. We're doing this. And that's act one. One of the things that this movie kind of did that I was realizing is that it's not really just bam, 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 each thing. Like, they do kind of set up that this is going to be happening. Like, they have the picture of Daryl Hannah in the dining room at the beginning. The movie, like, what inspires them faking the ghosts is Peter O'Toole's mom saying, well, this place is haunted. I was just chatting with the ghosts the other day. But it seems like, like, oh, crazy mom is crazy. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's married to a ghost. She's definitely a little baddie. But the important (laughs) thing is... But like, honestly, like, like the way they kind of blended together, I think works. Like, I think they should be faking the the hauntings. And then I feel like what like they, they, they fake a bunch of them. And then one of the ones that they do is real, but they mm-hmm. think it's also one of the fake ones. And they don't yeah. kind of realize that it's part of it. And then the fake things kind of bleed into the real ones without yeah. them realizing it. Like it's not a snap and, the finger, wind and lightning, all of a sudden and, we're doing things different. And a part of that could be like, you know, cause like you wouldn't, I mean the, the bit about like, Oh, I'm going to have a mummy in the room. It's like, why would there be a mummy in Cal in, in Ireland? Why would there be a mummy? It's like the, as a part of trying to make these stories work, a part of trying to make, you know, their Scooby-Doo scheme actually function. And this is a thing that happens in Scooby-Doo. Uh, not necessarily in all episodes, but in some, is that the ghosts are based on something from the history of the place that they're trying to haunt. So a a part of that could work where it's just like, you know, here's, you know, uh, Jim O'Flanagan. He was hung from the tree for stealing a loaf of bread. Here's his ghost. You know, they do do that. They opened with a banshee, which is a Irish spirit. Well, but that's not, that's just a, that's a, that's like a monster story. A banshee, a banshee is a kind, is a kind of spirit. It's a kind of monster. It's but just isn't like it saying. specifically Irish? It is specifically Irish, but it's like saying, here's the wolfman. Here's, here's Dracula. Well, not Dracula. Fair but here's, here's, yeah, but, here's but the wolfman. Here's, yeah, it, it's, it's not uh, grounded in ghosts, you know, people who died in this castle. Like if you have a castle, you have hundreds of years of history and a lot of it is awful, you know, siege warfare and just medieval society. So you have tons of stories of this was a terrible murder. These people died of famine. This, you know, there was a siege and all of these people died of plague, etc. So you have a lot of historical options to, to pull from. Like the Lady Godiva thing, it's like, Lady, that story is not about a ghost. It's about a woman riding naked on her horse. I, I don't. It's also not real, but the important thing is, (laughs) but I also think that if like as much as they do spoofs of these goats, I think that every single story that they do should then eventually get eclipsed by the real version of that. Yes. Like if they're going to be doing like the haunt, like the haunted, uh, uh, bride who was killed on her wedding night. Yeah. You could have like one. You could have you could have some of the villagers like ham fistedly trying to act that out, and then over the course of you know the plot, like you know maybe a possession or something, or like the ghosts take over, or you know they they sideline they they bump them well not bump them off but 
sort of take their place. They bump in the night them off. Yeah. (laughs) But nobody dies. Nobody Nobody dies. dies. Nobody dies except for the dead. Yes. But but yeah, except for the people who have previously outside of the scope of, look, we're going for PG here, people. Or PG, (laughs) eh, whatever. Um, But the... Uh, but, but I so I think that like that's how kind of how we transition from Act One to Act Two. Like Act One's just going to be all zany comedy, yeah. and I feel like Act Two we're kind of going to get into like a little bit of the creep, the creepy horror. Like oh my god, this is real, and like yeah. the people who work at the hotel are slowly going to realize oh my god, this is real. What's happening? Yeah, I really and loved that is. act break where it like did like the tales from the crypt bit, the camera like moving through the castle, and they used the yeah. real castle in Ireland for it. It was it was kind of fun. And but like at the, at some point, the the Peter Plunkett character is going is going to uh, 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 is going to find someone who's like just laying on the ground crying. He's like, "Come on, there's crazy things happening. We got." And he's going to save someone and get her out of there. And it's yeah. going to turn out that she herself is a ghost. Yeah, that's how I would do it. Yeah, and and then we can get into whether or not like crazy obsession because i like i don't think it should be this full love story and i don't think that these two pairs should pair off yeah i that's that's difficult like i this the casting i did kind of can work what it can either work the way it did in the original movie or i had another idea in another direction it could go um but there is still but either way i'm i'm think either way i'm thinking of there's still a love story there and then as for, um, you know, our, our ghost couple, uh, the, the murderous, uh, Martin and, and poor, poor Bissette, uh, what, what was her name? Molly? Uh, no, her name was Mary Plunkett. Mary Plunkett. Right. Yeah. Martin and Mary. Hmm. Uh, yeah, they, I kind of want to come up with something that's not quite like, it's still like Martin's still a terrible, terrible person, but let's maybe not have him stab her to death. Like maybe yeah, they're I, fighting, like they're fighting and she goes out a window, like an accident and he legitimate and he's like, oh, sh-, you know, like I, you know, something bad, like she falls. I don't know, but like not stab her three or four times. That was crazy. I mean, if you want to make it sympathetic and not he is a murderer and a monster, you have to make it where it's like where they get married on their wedding night. It's and on their wedding night, like. They, they drank too much. Like literally they could have gotten drunk and she falls out a window and completely aggrieved by the loss of this woman who he just married. He yeah. jumps out after her and they die yeah. together in the, in the moat. Yeah. And you can still have it in such a way that like it's an arranged marriage and she doesn't want it, but maybe he doesn't get that, you know, like it, it could, you know, it, it could be a thing like they're both drunk, but she's like, well, here's my opportunity to get out of this and fall. I don't know. I mean, There's a suicide's a real ways. dark, yeah. especially if we're starting with this as a comedy. Yeah. For me, it would make a lot more sense. So here's my pitch. Uh, my pitch is, is that they've created this great tragic love story where like, like they could even tell the story as it was in the original movie where Martin kills Mary because he suspected she was sleeping with another guy. Yeah. And then but for Mary's hand, she oh. was doing all this. And that's the story they tell. But what really happened is she slipped and fell out a window. Oh my god! I like that. I like that a lot. Like the the, the version that got passed down through history is like, oh look at Martin. You know, Martin. You know, Mart, this guy. He's this monster. He you know murdered her on the wedding night. Something like that. So could see he has to also 
off himself. Like, yeah, I, I, I that's good. That's good. Like the history changes, like the history, yeah. it becomes a murder and like, look at this monster Martin. Um, and, and that actually fits really well with the other direction that I was thinking of going instead of having Jack go with, uh, go with Mary. Um, well, I, 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 I swap, um, instead of uh, a Peter O'Toole type, instead of, uh, Mr. Plunk, Peter, Peter Plunkett, uh, I, I make it Plunkett senior's daughter, uh, of a sort of comparable age and that there's an opportunity there for Jack to fall for, you know, the proprietress of the cast of the castle. Oh, funny. Instead. I mean, I'm also perfectly happy with just like this whole crazy thing reignites the passion of the two individual couples. Like I don't necessarily, mm-hmm. we don't necessarily need anyone swapping with anybody. It could just as easily be like going through this thing together. We kind of can throw away a lot of the things that we built up and kind of uh, allowed to calcify around our marriage. We've kind of broken that down. And we found this thing that originally pulled us to each other in the first place. Hmm, that's possible. Yeah, because <laughs> with the Steve Gutenberg and Beverly D'Angelo, like that relationship and that setup, that sort of uh, you know sitcom yeah. trope of the, the that's the sitcom. Husband. The, set, yeah. the hapless husband who's like, oh, let's have a snack. And she's like, I don't want to because I'm a shrew. Th- that scenario is like, why did these two get married in the first place? I, That's the I thing. Like, I, I feel like it's more interesting and I feel like a little bit less problematic if they rediscover the th- like in helping this other romance, they rediscover the thing that inspired their own romance in the first place. That's a good, I like that. That's positive. That, and positive and positive works much better for comedy than horrifying murder suicide. Ah, it hurt me. <laughs> it hurt me more than it hurt you. You're a, because mo- if it's that, he's the villain and he's trying to kill people. If yeah. we make the Liam Neeson character, it hurt me more than it hurt you, then we need to, st- we need to end this by banishing him from the castle forever. Yeah, but that's also a little dark. But, then, I feel but like, then you leave. Well, then Mary can conceivably like rest in peace. Yeah, which is another possibility. But I also don't think we need like a big bad ghost. I think it's a lot more likely. It's like there's been this legend created. Yeah, but it's a lot more mundane, and we can play around with it a little bit more. Yeah, and, and if there's a big bad ghost and like a, a, a you know a truly villainous villain, then it I don't know that that doesn't like that's that's, that's, that's very modern, and I don't think we need it. Yeah, I I think it's more fun if it's all just like I mean it's a if it's a farce it's all just a series of hilarious misunderstandings. That's mm-hmm. what a farce is. We don't have a big bad. The big bad is the is the mortgage owner back in America who we never see. True. That brings me to because we have other people here. Like I didn't cast all of the like townspeople or anything. I cast like yeah. Peter Plunkett, his mother, and two hotel assistants. But we also have brother Tony and Miranda. Yep. And then the paranormal investigators. That's or fun. The That's paranormal fun. investigator and his wife. Yes. I didn't, who I didn't ha- who, who seem to have a, a healthy relationship, you know? Yeah. yeah I, so good. the only people I that cast, too often in a comedy. No. But like, I, I kept them, but I, like, I cast those characters, but I didn't go out of my way. Like, if we end up cutting those characters, I'm not offended. Yeah. Because I feel if like, they, especially if this is a farce, we've got to have other people running around doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I cast all those as well. And if, but if it's a matter of servicing the store, you know, if, if sort of like those side characters have to go away, then that's okay. 
Um, well, I mean, we have a couple of different little side character sets that can go. There's there's the the priest and uh, and uh, his well his temptation Miranda, um, yeah. and then and then the paranormal investigator. Like you have sort of that those two separate subplots, and like if you needed to make room, one of them could go. But I still want to keep one of the others. I like I would, the I only thing I would do is I would I would create some sort of ghost story that's relevant to them that's kind of like mm-hmm. sprinkled in throughout. I yeah. mean, for Brother Tony and and his uh, his love interest with the weird voice, <laughs> Jennifer Tilly's voice is amazing. <laughs> sort it, of, it is. Yeah, it's in a way. I, I, it is definitely amazing, but not <laughs> for the reason you might think. It is an acquired <laughs> taste. Indeed. So <laughs> uh, I feel like there could just as easily be like some other, like there could be a bishop or a, a cardinal that died in the castle. And that cardinal could be like, could be someone who stayed to his vows and was like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, this was my life. I yeah. did the right thing. And then uh, Brother Tony's like, Uh. (laughs) (laughs) and you ended up here haunting a castle for all eternity miserable (laughs) this is this is so this is heaven (laughs) oh yeah i feel really sorry for those nuns shit oh yeah i mean those are clearly evil nuns yeah very clearly evil nuns which for ireland they have a, a history of terrible stuff with nuns Ireland has a history of terrible things with religious figures in general. That's true. Yeah. Um, And so I feel like that would be an easy one to do for those two. And then Miranda's just there for an adventure. And it's just like, and literally she, Miranda could hook up with the, with the ghost Bishop first. (laughs) And then she's like, he was fun for a little while, but now I'm looking for something a little bit more long-term. And if there's anyone who's not afraid of commitment, it's someone who's willing to give his life away to join the, uh, the whatchamacallit, the, 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 the yeah. fraternal order of holy men. Yeah, that's true. That's, that, true. that's a man without commitment issues. Yeah, that is. I like the voice. I like the voice. And honestly, you know, the, the, the actress I went with kind of, she has a distinct voice. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> It's going to be really funny if we cast the same person because mine does too. I doubt it. I well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's one of the fun things about this podcast, listeners. This is why you should keep listening. Yes. Uh, which actually, what's be, it's happened like for the past three, four episodes. Mm-hmm. At least one of our things been the same each time, and I've loved it because it's, <laughs> it's so weird and just a crazy. But anyway, so what do we want? What's your ghost story that you would tie for the paranormal investigators? Ooh, well, for the paranormal investigators, like if you, I mean, if we want to do a thing where everybody has a, a tied in thing, then because mm, there's, I mean, a ghost story that ties into paranormal investigators. So the the way that I I cast the husband and wife, I kind of thought about um, you know those um, not paranormal activities, but the um, the Annabelle doll things, those those movies about like real life paranormal investigator, like husband and wife team. The idea being that uh, instead of just the husband being uh, a parapsychologist, it's like a team, like the two of them are together and they're like, this is nonsense and these aren't real ghosts and I know real ghosts. We have ghosts collected at home in our basement or something. I can't remember the name of, there's a whole cheap horror movie franchise built up around these people and I can't remember their names. (laughs) I'm just thinking of uh, Danny Phantom's parents. 
Uh, that is as accurate and real to ghosts. Yes. That, so, I mean, you could all, so yeah, for those two, I kind of went like the broadest comedy for those two in particular, mm-hmm. just because I think it's funny. And also because I think that they have the potential to be the wackiest because they're kind of the yes. most, uh, they're they the have, most punchline they have gadgets, they have inventions, they have assumptions, they have uh, their biases and prejudices, and they have their things that they're trying to prove and do. And the things that, that parapsychologists are trying to prove and do are already silly. So it you have a lot of opportunities for screwball comedy. I mean, like, you know, in the original... In the original, when he's like hanging up, like you know, strips from the ceiling to gauge the moisture and barometric pressure, it's like, yeah, that's pretty silly. You know, he's yeah. like walking around with a wand and a night vision, you know, headset. It's like, okay, buddy. <laughs> uh, just, I mean, so what's a what's a ghost, a spook, or a specter that would belong with them? Do you want to go crazy and go Van Helsing, like the ghost mm, of Van Helsing? No, no, I think um, I. Ugh. I think it would be a more modern ghost, a recent ghost, somebody who's who's died recently, maybe somebody who didn't necessarily hold – you know, this might be an opportunity to give uh, Plunkett Sr. an opportunity to do more. Like he could be, you know, a dyed-in-the-wool rationalist and he dies and suddenly he's a ghost and he's like, oh, well, shit, I was wrong about everything forever. All right, fine. And so he could look at this as an opportunity to screw with the people who are like, ah, ghosts, Maybe. That's not a bad idea. Like doing something where either we kill someone for real in this movie and they become a ghost and no. they don't know they're a ghost. No, I don't want to. Okay. Do <laughs> <laughs> but like, you could also just have it just be a random additional person on, on the tour and they've been a ghost this whole time. Mm. And, the ghost and, of tourists past because the castle yeah. for for decades at least since the 80s has been a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> and every hotel in the world has had someone die in it. That's true, that's true. And Some literally hotels. it could be someone going around taking pictures being like this is so cool. I love this castle. 1980s stereotype uh, Japanese tourist taking pictures of everything. No, I mean, terrible. you could do that. <laughs> But, like, literally, you could have someone say, every year I visit the castle at this time. And it's just every year this person haunts this castle. And they're like, and, we have this one reliable customer. Hey, good to see you, Bob. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things where they're starting to go through, and like Peter O'Toole's finally going through the books and he's like, you know, I'm realizing he such never and pays. such a person has never paid. <laughs> or not paid since like 1989. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you could basically do that. Actually, that's a fun idea. I like that. And that and, and that and, could be the person who teams up with the paranormal investigator because the paranormal investigator asks them because they visited the castle most often. And Plunkett Senior like knows them since they were there. Like you know, they they like have conversations. Like because you yeah. know, this person started going there in like seventy eight or seventy nine or something. Paid all the way through eighty eight, and then just accidentally drowned in the lake. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like honestly like they just they just never made it onto the bus home <laughs> and <laughs> and you could play around with it and it's one of those things where then when you go back and rewatch the movie a second time you'll realize that this person never interacted with something that they themselves didn't bring in they don't touch mm. any of the food they don't pull out or tuck in their chair yeah they kind of slide yeah. in sit down 
They only go your, through already open doors. Yep, yep. You go ahead and get yourself the M. Night Shyamalan moment. That's great. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> you you six sense them. And that way you get to have all three of these people goofing around and doing like the full zany comedy. Yeah. While I like also, that. yeah. So let's do that. All right, I like that. I, I have no idea who that who that should be, but I like that. Well, when we figure out who the other two are, we'll figure out a, a, a third a good to person to go work. with them. Yeah, yeah. So honestly, I feel like we have kind of the shape of our movie. Yeah, would you agree? I, I think we, I think we do. So instead, I, I like that. I like that idea of like Mary and Martin. Like it, their their story has been incorrect. It's been passed down as this horrible murder when it was a horrible tragedy. And uh, a, a part of the story is like sort of correcting the historical record, correcting the way people understand it. Um, and you know, like they could be aggrieved at seeing the villagers like reenacted as some sort of murder. Uh, you know, I'd be like, oh, my, you know, I can't believe this is happening. We have to come. We have to come out and show ourselves for this. And yeah, and it's, like also, it's also clearing Martin's name or yeah. clearing uh, Mary's name. Like we could certainly flip it. We could say Mary killed Martin. And then oh, because like, and that, that's would be, when- that would be the sort of story that's more likely to go down in history. Like, uh, you know, not to cast aspersions on the patriarchy or nothing, but stories of husbands murdering their wives are less likely to go down in history than can you believe that Mary murdered her good husband, Martin? Ugh. Yeah. Let's do that. Like, let's let's flip it and say Mary murdered uh, Martin and then killed herself because she was a hysterical woman. Meanwhile, mm. it's just like this crazy tragedy thing that happened. Yeah, it was an accident. And it's just all about clearing the name, but it's like, but if you're there on the wrong night, the ghost of the evil Mary Plunkett can come out and haunt you. I like that. That's good. That's good. Yeah. All right. Great. We got a good structure. I think so too. Let's start casting. Let's start with, with our Peter O'Toole, Peter Plunkett. Who owns this hotel? Okay. So I'm going to like, I'm going to start on this and, and say that, um, I w- I've been aware of your podcast, you know, this podcast for years. <laughs> and so uh, a couple of years ago when I, you know, ended up rewatching this movie, I thought about the idea of somebody doing a remake of High Spirits. And my first thought was Liam Neeson should be, you know, the, the, the Peter Plunkett character. And to a certain extent, that could still work. That could be fun. You know, Liam Neeson could do it because he is – as much as he has done nothing but murderous revenge movies for the last decade, he is actually <laughs> a funny guy. He can he can do zany screwball comedies, but nah, that's yeah, kind of boring. I don't want to. I don't want to take anybody I had, that was. I had the same thought, and I also dismissed it. Yeah. So, but I will I'm, say that for every single person based in the hotel or in the town or was ki- or like in the hotel, I went out of my way to cast someone who is in fact Irish. Yeah, I, I, well, I did too. So, yes. uh, well, except for, except for Ma Plunkett, I did, I did something a little different there. Um, so my, after pushing Liam Neeson aside, I went with, uh, Irish actress, Ruth Nega, who is most recently famous for being, uh, Tulip on Preacher. She's and also uh, she Raina on Agents, she's also Raina on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Do you want to know how true. I know that? How do you know that? I mean, I also went. I also went with Ruth Nega for Peter Plunkett. Oh snap! <laughs> you know how we were saying earlier that this is the reason you didn't listen to the show. All right, all right, all right, all right. Oh my god! 
That's so amazing. All right. That's great. That's great. Uh, this was the this was the one where I was like, this is the one where I went a little bit left field. I don't, like we're gonna yeah. have a conversation because I think this is a cool idea. I All cannot right. believe we just did that. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that, All right, well. Because I like I made that comment earlier because I'm like, it won't happen this time. It'll happen when we get to Miranda, but it's not gonna happen here because Oh, uh, Miranda, I'm going to feel bad. <laughs> I mean, look, there's a good chance that's going to happen too, but oh my God, that's so amazing. I'm okay. so happy right now. Yeah, because okay. she's so good. So I really she's know her from good. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where yeah. she plays Raina. And she's so interesting and compelling an was actress. She, yeah. And was she only in the first cut? Co- she was only in the first couple seasons, right? Like she yeah. got done with it and then she moved on. She went loving. She did that. You know, she was Oscar nominated. She's real. she's a very good actress. And then Extremely Preacher good. is a great show. You should watch Preacher if you haven't watched Preacher. I need to catch up on that and finish it, I guess, uh, where she plays with her husband. Uh, what's his face? Dominic Cooper? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, with, so Ruth Naga, I, I, I I chose her. I think that she can sort of play. She can give us broad comedy. She can give us the pathos of being like, I'm going to lose the family, you know, castle, you know, the estate, like things are, are going bad for me. You know, this is not going, she can be at the end of her tether. I don't want her to be suicidal about it. No, absolutely. <laughs> but, but, but I do, uh, you know, and, and sort of the backstory that I came up with and sort of um, informed casting for, Ma Plunkett and um and and honestly for for um Beverly D'Angelo's character um Sharon um was that and, and I think that this could sort of help the story of um the Brogans like wanting to take the castle is that Jim Brogan and and Plunkett Sr. were like childhood friends. They were close, like uh, you know, they they grew up together, you know, because like as a throwaway, a th- throwaway line, Sharon, you know, uh, says like, "Oh, he he grew up here. He ha- he's from here. He hates the Plunkets." But that's kind of like it. That's all there is to that story. I kind of like the idea of of you know these two being like childhood friends. They grow up. They they leave Ireland in like so they leave in like the seventies because. Ireland has difficulties. There's opportunities out there, and they both end up um, in in uh, you know these relationships. And one stays in America, and one comes back to Ireland to you know take care of the family castle. Um, and that informed how I, I, I cast both Sharon and uh, um, Ma Plunkett. I got nothing against that. Do you want to talk about Sharon now? Yeah. Before we get to Jack, let's talk about Sharon now. Yeah, let's go to Sharon and give her a, and and uh, so originally Beverly D'Angelo, who would work with uh, Neil Jordan again in a movie called Mirac- The Miracle, which I had never heard of, and I watched the trailer earlier, and it gave me really weird vibes. Like, just watch the trailer for Neil Jordan's The Miracle and see if you also get weird vibes. Tweet me; it'll be, it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if you've seen it. I let me know if my vibes are correct. So anyway, I went with um, Olivia Munn. So she's like about the same age as Ruth Naga. Uh, she can play broad comedy. She can also be hard and domineering. Um, and, and I think she can take that role and do a, a pretty good job with it. I think Olivia Munn is good casting. Um, when I was thinking of Sharon, I was thinking of kind of country club. Mm-hmm. I was thinking country club, but can also do like comedy. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, I also, 
like just in terms of like age for everybody because there's like a big disparity in age between all the different characters and that was weird for me yeah. so i kind of like put everyone kind of in the same 10 year things but one yeah. of the things i did was i made especially so steve gutenberg i put early thir- like late 20s early 30s I had Mary Plunkett be a couple years younger than that, and I had Sharon be a couple years older than that. Holy shit, I did the same thing. I literally did the exact same thing. I did it in such a way that Jack is cast, it's like he's early 30s, so it makes sense for him to be married to someone who's 38, 39. Or Uh he could have a conceivable relationship with somebody who is, without giving away my my Mary uh, Plunkett casting, somebody who's currently 28 or 26. Yeah, I think mine's 28 also. And uh, and also, but, like, not to, like, the idea of he, him being younger kind of can sort of, like, a younger man, like, the sort of dynamics of marriage. It, yeah, like, exactly. A younger man with an older woman could be like, oh, she's she's like, oh, I made a mistake with this one, that kind of thing. It, yeah, that could absolutely happen. And so, that, that, so that's why I found the, like, it's nothing that's ever specifically stated, but in the casting, I think, makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. So for so my Sharon is Anna Camp. Anna Camp, who you may know from Pitch Perfect, she's in The Help. She's currently in Perfect Harmony. Oh, in uh, Pitch Perfect, she's the sort of um, sorority. Yeah, um, she's like, the blonde. Yeah, one. she's she's the very officious, like kind of like I'm in charge of everything. Exactly. Uh, one. Right. 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 Okay. Yes, I know her. She's good. She's good. Yeah. So, like, she's not strictly, like, farcical comedy, but she can do comedy. I mean, she's in Perfect Harmony right now, and everyone says she's very good. But she's also in The Help, where she's, like, the trust fund person. And she's, like, the blonde put-together one. And I could totally see her being that kind of, yeah. like, trust fund thing. That makes sense. And But so um, I, I took this opportunity to sort of make the connection between the Brogans and the Plunkets in that – both, uh, you know, old Papa Brogan and old Papa Plunkett, they both went abroad and they both got involved in interracial interracial relationships. Like, you know, Olivia Munn is, is half Asian and uh, Ruth Nega is, is uh, half Ethiopian. You have an opportunity to say, like, these two guys were on a very similar track. They were they they sort of matched up in so many ways. They did so many similar things. They were. Uh, so close, like, you know, they were good friends, you know, they were good brothers, like maybe, uh, you know, he didn't come to the funeral or something. And that's a, a point of contention that, you know, she brings up on the phone, like, why, you know, you weren't at Pa's funeral. Um, hey, you don't, and and the, like, they were like in so many ways. And yet, I, I'm not a one goes that. back like, home. Yeah. I like, I love Olivia Munn. Like, I think Olivia Munn is great. And I think she's super funny. And I think she's often underutilized and so i Mm -hmm. think putting her in this situation i think works really well so i'm perfectly happy to go with olivia munn okay but now let's talk about our steve gutenberg okay our our jack um you went you went first for the last one so i'll talk about uh i'll talk about this one so in one of the things that i was doing is because i was going out of my way to cast irish people for uh the people from ireland i was trying to be Mm -hmm. a little bit more um diverse for my other casting and specifically for this one i also was trying very hard for some of the people who needed to be funny casting people who do funny things so for this guy in particular he hasn't done that much but he won a golden globe for his stand-up special um he is uh he is himself muslim and 
and so he his show is the self-titled titled Rami. He's also in something called Why like the Why Him Dumb Comedy Movie. And he won a Golden Globe for his stand-up special. Uh so his name is Rami Youssef. And I've heard so the name. I had two, but I never watched it. And so I watched his uh Stephen Colbert stand-up special and he's or his uh his five minutes on uh the late show Uncle with Stephen Bear. Colbert. And he I was probably, very funny. Okay. And he's that kind of like hang dog like so these are the things that are going on. It's crazy, right? Yeah. What's the deal with the shitty world we're in? Well, yeah, but from a perspective <laughs> of, yeah, but, you know, good. But so I thought he was very funny and I thought he kind of had the right energy for this character, mm-hmm. especially because I didn't like, it's a little Steve Gutenberg, but not so nuts. Yeah. That was one of the funny things about this. I literally Googled, who is today's Steve Gutenberg? Yeah. Which, by the way, Google could not answer because no, because who is today's Steve Gutenberg? I mean, like, really, like, why was this guy a movie star? I I don't get it. Today's like, Steve Gutenberg might be um, crap. What's his name? Ant Man. Really? No. It might be Paul Rudd. Yeah. Paul Rudd? No, Paul Rudd is actually funny, and Paul Rudd has been. Doing I agree. Paul Rudd has been doing this for 20 years. He's been, he's at least, he's, wait, he was on Clueless, right? Paul Rudd? Was uh, yeah, he, yeah, he was in the Clueless yeah, movie. Yeah, he's he was been in this for brother. decades. And, and Steve Gutenberg like had the 80s and then he quit. Like he left in 89 or 90. He just walked away from Hollywood. He's been in a couple of little things here and there, but he basically stopped working. So then and you're saying that the modern day Steve Gutenberg is Zach Braff. <laughs> Well, perhaps perhaps it is Zach Braff, and that would be an excellent choice. Somebody else go ahead and cast Zach Braff as Jack, but it's not me. Um, <laughs> no. I, I went ahead and I went with uh, Nicholas Holt, who is oh, yeah. an attractive, humorous actor who mm-hmm. kind of gets work and like he's good and people- He gets like a lot him. of work. And yeah, and he's in his early 30s, so he is not quite a decade younger than Olivia Munn, and not quite a decade older than who I cast for Mary, um, and not quite a decade younger than who I passed for Peter Plunkett. So he kind of works for <laughs> either direction, like as far as the movie's concerned, like if you're watching it for the first time and you have no idea what High Spirits is, conceivably, Nicholas Holt could end up with anyone, because he's, you know, he's 33, 32, yeah. whatever it is. He's a very funny guy. Like he's uh, currently in um, the great uh, and he's apparently yeah. fantastic in that. I have been meaning to watch that. I really would like to watch that movie. In fact, I might and watch it after this. He's good in Mad Max Fury road. He's good yes. in the X-Men movies. He's good he's, in just about everything he's ever done. Yeah. He's one of the better parts of <laughs> the recent X-Men movies. Yeah. Uh, I like, uh, I like first class and I like days of future past. Those are the good ones. Good job. I agree. Those are the good ones. <laughs> yeah. Olivia Munn's in uh, the other ones. That's true. Oh, well, she's in the one. She's in Apocalypse. She's not in Phoenix. They, they, and I think they counted. I think she has four lines. Yeah. She's not. That's why I was saying she's criminally underutilized. She, she gets is to play not. this amazing character. She's she gets to well. play Psylocke. Doesn't yeah. matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, I love Nicholas Holt. Um, I will, for this, I would suggest we go with Rami Youssef just because yeah. I feel like it's a little bit of a left field choice and it's a little bit more unexpected. That's fine. With, with Jack, I'm not, I'm not set on the casting on Jack. So that's, that's, yeah. we can go with yes. that. Cause he's yeah. 
kind of a schlub. Like as a character, he's just kind of there. And it's like, it's very clear in relationship. Like they never sort of say it. But like uh, the bit where where Sharon's like all business, a word you're not familiar with, Jack. Like I think she's the one who actually makes the money. I don't know why oh, in the yeah. movie they didn't they didn't like come out and say it, but she's the one who actually has the job. And maybe Jack does something like sculpt. It's a relationship where she fell in love with the musician, or she fell in love with him because exactly. of his sense of humor. Oh in my this god! Case. And that. Well, maybe not his sense of humor, but if we could come up with some sort of like art or poetry or something like, oh God, that scene where he reads off the big boppers thing about a long neck goose. Oh, that made me mad. That was so it. bad. That was that so was bad. bad. Like I get that it's a song, but it's like, dude, just dude, don't, don't do that. Don't be else. that guy. Let's, let's, let's give him some sort of a skill that can make women fall for him quickly. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it's just charisma wit. Yeah. So yeah, yeah so let's yeah. go with Robin Yusuf. All right. So that that brings us to Mary and Martin. Who do you want to start with, Mary or Martin? Okay. So Mary, I went with what is probably an obvious choice, but an attractive blonde Irish, you know, Daryl Hannah is, was, you know, Mary. Yeah. So, but in this case, she's not going to have any difficulty with the accent. I went with uh, Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, I thought, I thought about her. Saoirse Ronan would probably be, it's probably perfect for this. Yeah. Um, and she's quite funny. I did, did you see her on Saturday Night Live? Really good. Uh, I saw bits and pieces. I, but like, yeah, she's just generally a very funny human being. Um, I considered her and then I felt like she'd end up somewhere anyway. So I wanted to go with a left field choice, someone a little bit less well known. Um, and I went with an actress named uh, Sarah Bolger. Oh, I love her. From the Spiderwick Chronicles and into the Badlands, and and, and uh, the Tudors, she was uh, she was uh, Bloody Mary in the Tudors. Yeah, I love her, oh. and that would be great. And yes, do it. Okay, she, Sarah Bolger is great. You're like, um, she she's really good. She was also in Once Upon a Time, the uh, the ABC like fairy tale Disney movie show. Right. She yeah. was uh, Sleeping Beauty in that. She's very good. Awesome. Perfect. I, then I like yeah, that. so let's go with her. She she's going to cost a lot less than Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Which who Fisher Ronan has a has an Oscar now, right or no? Uh, she's definitely so. been nominated like twice. She's been she's been nominated, but I don't know if she has it yet. And she's good. Okay. She's gonna get it. She's gonna get it. So yeah, Sarah Bolger is perfect. I love that. And especially Great. if she's not like sort of the like uh, you know the sort of romantic interest. Like if it's sort of a side story of clearing her name and making their relationship good. Then, then it it works, you know. Yeah, that's good. I like it. Love it. Uh, Saoirse Ronan has only ever been nominated for an Oscar. Okay, she's gonna she's win. Been, she's been nominated for for an Oscar <laughs> four times. Oh my god, she's like twenty six. <laughs> I know. So she's been nominated for uh, Atonement. Um, okay. For for Little Women. For Lady Bird and for Brooklyn, shit. <laughs> yeah, and uh, she she has worked with Neil Jordan. She was uh, with Gamma Arterton in uh, 2012's Byzantium. Yeah, she played a vampire. She works. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. So we'll go with Sarah Bolger for Mary Plunkett. Um, so you okay. went first. Let me talk about my Martin. 
For Martin, okay. I went with someone who's also been in Once Upon a Time. He's also been in The Fall. I went with kind of like the strong Irish jawline, kind of like the new Liam Neeson kind of thing, like the attractive yeah. guy. And he's attractive. Yeah. So like, yeah. oh, what did, this, what did this woman do to this guy? Christian Grey. Yeah, so uh, he might be. I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, Jamie Dornan. Yes, that's Christian Grey. Is it Christian Grey? <laughs> it is. I, I I looked at him, and the thing, yeah, because the fall and and Fifty Shades of Grey. Like I looked at him, and I considered him. And if we if we do a thing where Martin and Mary like legitimately wanted to have a good relationship, and history twisted it, then that makes more sense than my casting. Um, because I well, I, we don't know that yet. I don't know what your casting is. Maybe we like it uh, better. Oh yeah, you're right. He's Christian Grey. I missed that. Shoot. <laughs> that's that's fine i'm sure he's still a nice guy by all accounts yeah, well, he is they yeah, just had no yeah. chemistries i haven't seen the movies but my understanding is they're both perfectly nice people they just have zero chemistry they're very attractive they're both very attractive yes if that's all you care about go for good for you i mean that's kind of how those books and movies are structured anyway like, they're attractive that's all we yeah. care about and that started uh, out as a fan fiction for which movie? I mean, which books? The the Twilight. other movie thing? With Twilight. Twilight. That's right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So who did you have for Martin? I had somebody who could be um, more villainous and could conceivably end up with Sharon if we decided to go with sort of the original way things went. Um, I went with an older actor. I went with uh, Colin Farrell. So he's 44. Oh, that's much older. Yeah. yeah. Wait, well, Colin Farrell's not- only 44? Yeah, he's only 44. I feel like he's got to be older than that. No, he's not. I'm I'm honestly surprised. Look it up. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I, you're right. I mean, obviously you looked it up too. Yeah. Uh, so he is, he's only 44 and it works in such a way that, you know, for a couple of centuries ago, that's a sensible arranged marriage. If you're trying to get rid of your daughter who's 26, 28, you want to give her off to somebody and like, you know, there's this unmarried 44-year-old lord of Plunkett Castle. It works. It makes sense. Yeah. That, but also... If you were to stick with the original story and have Sharon die and swap corporealness with Mary, Olivia Munn, being 39 or 40, is a much more even like age match with Mark, you know, with uh, with Colin Farrell. And like you have the app, that was sort of my original idea with the casting is the idea that they're a better match for each other. And Olivia Munn, you know, can play that sort of cold and, and hardness and, and, uh, be into that darkness more. Um, th- and also, and Colin Farrell is a funny guy who can Oh, he's do, very funny. He's a very funny guy. He can also be very dark. He's a really good actor. He can, he can do it. And if we yeah. were to, it, in, I didn't think of originally the idea that in history, you know, it was a tragic mistake where like they both fell out a window and flip and died. Um, you know, I was thinking you, you were going the with the original story. story. Yeah. Which is fair. Where he's, he's murderous somehow. I didn't want him to flip and stab her three times, but maybe like accidentally throw her out a window or she falls and hits her head on a furniture. And then he's like in grief and remorse throws himself out the window. Uh, but that was, that was my reasoning for Colin Farrell is that he's, it, it in history, it makes sense that a forty-four-year-old would be married to someone in her mid-twenties. It's like, how did you get to your mid-twenties without being married? And and then for ending up with Sharon, who is older than her current husband Jack, it's like sort of like linking them up together. That was yeah. I mean, the logic there makes total sense to me. 
I'm split on this one. I feel like Martin could be either Jamie Dornan or Colin Farrell. I think neither of us is especially enthusiastic about this. No. And I, but the thing is, I have never seen Jamie Dornan be funny. I'm sure he can be. That's, that is a, that is a fair argument. I'm sure, I'm sure he has, is a charming guy. And I, you know, if I met him, he'd be like, wow, this Jamie Dornan is the coolest person I've ever met. But on film, uh, Colin Farrell is, he can be a funny fucking dude. Yeah. Here's another possibility. Do we want to cut this character? Is this character necessary for our movie? Well, I mean, presuming we have the two couples end up together, but we could also have the one couple end up together, and then Mary is finally able to move on with her life. Well, but if she's or exonerated, move on with to her afterlife. Well, but if she's exonerated and she gets to move on to her life, she still has to have somebody to act against. She can't just be there by herself. That's true. You're right. Other, we do. Otherwise, okay, you're right. We do need it. We don't. We don't want to have Sarah Bolger sitting it. by a window by herself, being like, "Oh, the villagers think I murdered my husband, Martin." Yeah. The thing is, like. I, I think you're right in terms of Jamie Dornan, but I also, I don't necessarily like, even though that what historically would have been. And for your purposes, I absolutely agree. That would have been right. I also don't want her to end up back together with someone who's 15 years older than her. Mm, I feel well, like we can, I feel like we can top this. Let's come back to this one. I, I, I feel like we'll be able to come up with someone else. I mean, it might be somebody in who I cast. Cause I, you know, for the assistants, the town people, the villagers, I did not go with no names. <laughs> oh, uh, I didn't either, but again, I only wanted to. <laughs> I mean, I didn't go with like whatever. We'll get to that. So yeah, we'll come we'll back to, to uh, we'll come back to Martin. Let's talk oh, about yeah, brother Martin, Tony. Martin's a tough nut to crack. Okay, so yeah. brother Tony. All right, so you you went first last time, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'll I'll take I'll take this one. I'll take this one. So I. I've got like a, a couple of options. So brother Tony, like there's an opportunity. This is one of the opportunities to sort of spice up uh, or to, to change the, the, uh, the color palette, so to speak. Yep. Um, you know, we cut cause you know, this was a production in 88 where it was like Irish and American and UK. Um, you know, now it's a global thing nor, you know, Ireland is a, is a film hub all its own and it can work with anybody. So conceivably brother Tony doesn't have to come from America. That's true. Um, I, I didn't think about that, but that's true. Um, I came up with, uh, I didn't really settle on one option. I've got, I've got two. I've got, I, I have two options. Uh, should I pick one in my head right now or should I give you both? Pick one. Let's see what happens. Pick one. Okay. I'll pick one. I'm going to go with uh, William Jackson Par- Harper from uh, Chidi Anagonia from yeah. The Good Place. Chidi's um, a so- great choice. I, I think that he can be that sort of stolid, stoic character who's like, you know, I'm committing myself to this philosophical and religious choice, and uh, this is what I'm doing with my life. And he can easily sort of give us that play of being tempted by a very attractive human female uh, and ultimately give in to that. I, I think that uh, William Jackson Harper would be a, a good fit for that. I think we would... In whatever movie we end up doing, uh, I feel like yeah, I think William Jackson Harper is probably who we'll end up going with because I feel like that is the correct choice, and it is kind of like following kind of the expected like this and he is can be playing he to can type be from just about anywhere. Like that. Oh yeah, of course. Like he's and also he's super great. Um, so I also went with a stand-up here, but it's a stand-up who's been in a bunch of different things. Like he was in the movie I Feel Pretty, he was in the movie The House, he's uh, been on Superstore. He's a stand-up comedian named Rory Scovel. Don't know that guy. 
just a stand up. Like if you look him up, just a bearded stand up guy who you could see kind of like turning, ch- changing his life uh, for the better and joining the the sacred order. <laughs> and Rory, but I feel like William Jackson Harper's probably the way to go. But Rory Scovel's just a comedy person who I feel right. like kind of fits this. Comedy All right, team. I re- I recognize that guy, but so I. I definitely, and we talked about this a little bit at the beginning, or perhaps we talked about it before we started recording. Uh, I watched this episode recently. I mean, I watched this movie with my wife the other night who had never seen it before. And she was like, this movie sucks, but at least that priest was hot. Um, <laughs> she was like, he had, his eyebrows were amazing. And I'm like, okay, fair point. Eyebrows were amazing. Like originally he was played by uh, Richard, uh, Peter Gallagher who is uh, not an unattractive man um, and sort of like keeping that in mind. Uh, well, I mean, no offense to Rory Scovel. Um, I mean, she also said before we got started that she wanted a cast based on the eyebrows alone and wanted to go with Cara Delevingne. Well, I mean, yeah, but okay. If we're going on, 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 on eyebrows, uh, no offense to Rory Scovel, but I just looked him up on Google and the first image to pop up, he doesn't appear to have any. No, um, no, he does not. He's pretty blonde. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I think William Jackson Harper is the correct choice for this one. Okay, and I won't give you my other one who was much more attractive and has really great eyebrows. I'm like, sure he's great. We'll just have to wonder. So then let's talk about Miranda. Okay. So, so for Miranda, it's I went with a comedian I, who has a very distinct voice. Okay. We, I think we both have the same person. But basically, I think it's someone who is herself very, very funny and can kind of play around with the idea. And, okay. And, but also can be very alluring and sexy in her own right. And I think okay. that that's why Michelle Wolf is an interesting choice here. That is an interesting choice, and that is not my choice. So, ah, all right. Totally- At least we'll always have Ruth Nega. We will always have Ruth Nega. And what a, what a casting to have. Um, yeah, well talk a little more about you want to you want to talk a little more about michelle wolf she's good i like i just think she's very funny i think that she doesn't like we all kind of know who michelle wolf is because of her like white house correspondence speech but she does like Mm -hmm. she's kind of a mainstay of different comedy shows and the daily show right but like that's the thing like she's a mainstay of all these shows where like people in comedy love her but she's not getting a lot of play outside of that i don't even know how much of an actress she really is Mm. but that's why i thought it'd be fun to kind of play with her in this role okay um all right. Well, uh I I went with somebody who is herself uh quite funny. Uh she's age appropriate. She's about the same age as uh the person I uh as the other person I cast. She's early 30s um and she she's good. Uh she's had a, a show recently on Hulu called Dollface. Uh I went with Kat Dennings. Who, yeah, I thought uh, you might have No atten- no no offense at all to Michelle Wolf, but if we want to tempt a priest, uh I I think Kat Dennings would be able to do it more easily. I feel like that's why that that's what I think. I feel like there's two ways of going about this. Yeah. Because I feel like even if you're a priest, Kat, Kat Dennings is a very beautiful uh, young woman. And I feel, but I feel like if you're a priest, you've seen very beautiful young women before. I feel like just, well, this one's the most beautiful. Well, and I feel like it's someone like it hasn't, like you haven't found like the person yet. And I feel like it's interesting if it's all of a sudden this person, like it was just in the original movie. It's just, well, look at these incredibly attractive two young people. <laughs> and if we're going straight up farcical comedy, it's like, 
start with why would this guy be attracted to her? And then he is. Mm. But uh, I feel like I sort of made a mistake in like uh, talking about casting. No, here's the thing. Because Kat Dennings is also very good. And like she, she's, she's incredibly good. She's, she's very funny. She's been on a couple of truly amazing shows and she's gotten, she's also very, very clever because she's made herself producers of those shows. And, has become very successful because of that. Like she's very wa- smart, witty, and she's a phenomenal actress who honestly kind of is at a point where in her career, she gets to pick and choose things and she kind of gets to pick things where she gets to have fun. I have nothing against Kat Dennings. I've used her before. I think Kat Dennings is wonderful, but in terms of temptation, I think that's a little on the nose, which is why I avoided. <sighs> okay. All right. That's a fair point. Um, and if we go with my priest, then we can go with your Miranda. Fine. <laughs> I think that's a fair compromise. That's a fair compromise. <laughs> it's a fair compromise that I'd already been like, yeah, your guy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, all right. So then let's talk about the two paranormal people. That's so I, uh, I went first for, so it's Malcolm and Marge. There's mm-hmm. a, we haven't talked about this. Oh, There's a lot of M names in this script. There are. There's Mary, Martin, Miranda, Mary. Malcolm, Marge, Ma Plunkett. Well, I mean, that's okay. Mrs. Plunkett is also an M. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I feel like this screenwriter hated themselves, but I also think this was written before final draft. So it's well, like, since it was physically typing it as opposed Molly, to relying on autofill. Molly, Mary, M is a very Irish letter. Uh, Miranda, Malcolm, and Marge are not Irish. Well, but Molly. Yeah. I didn't say that name. <laughs> yeah, I know you didn't. I didn't. I know you didn't say that. But in terms of sort of prototypical and stereotypical Irish names, Molly, yeah. the Molly Maguires, the Mollies. You know, you say Molly Absolutely. like Molly is the name of a drug. For God's sake, it's M M and P. Patrick Patrick's Patties. I, you know, you got uh, so M and P. Anyway, so for Malcolm, uh, so we have Malcolm and Marge. These are the two where yeah. I went kind of like the broadest comedy, and I also aged them up a little bit. Okay. I think I think my Malcolm's mid forties, and I think my Marge is thirty nine. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so I'll go first for this anyway. So my Malcolm, broad comedy, John C. Riley, Chicago, like he's Mister Self in Chicago. He's between two ferns, stepbrothers. Broad comedy can do crazy, ridiculous things and put himself in weird situations, and we can get him struck by lightning, and his hair will stand on end, and it will be funny. His hair already stands on end, but yes, it it's would be funny. Great. Right, but he can also be completely put together. Like you mm. can have him completely put together, and he just gets more and more John C. Riley crazy <laughs> between two ferns as the movie progresses. More and more disheveled as things go. Uh, yeah, that's that's a distinct possibility. Uh, you could definitely do that. Hmm. Uh, but that's who I had for uh, Malcolm. Who did you have for Malcolm? Okay, shoot, I didn't have enough time to come up with another one. Okay, so. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. What I did was originally uh, the priest, Brother Tony, I had cast as William Jackson Harper. And then I changed my mind and went with that other one. But I was like, I love William Jackson Harper so much that I made him, that that on my list here, I made him Malcolm the Paranormal. Well, no, hold on. It's, oh no, Irish, never mind. Keep going. Okay, sorry, keep going. Who, so who did you, who's, uh, who's your attractive guy that you're going to throw into Malcolm? Oh, <laughs> I don't know how funny he is. I don't know if he's funny at all. Richard Madden. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Oh, uh, it is Rob Stark. Um, and also he was in the oh, Netflix God. and BBC <laughs> series. Um, 
shit, what's it called? He won a god he won an award for it. It's really good. I watched it, but I can't remember the name of it because it's so generic. Oh god. Richard Madden's good. He has really killer eyebrows. No, he's the he's take. Terrible. No. What? Is the, the show take. called The Take? He is a good actor. Oh yeah, he was in that too. That's true. I wouldn't um, describe him as funny yeah, in that so, movie, but he's very good. No, that is who I had had sort of shifted, put into the priest role. So you just asked, and I I threw him. Yeah, into the, I feel I, like that is not I, who I would. I feel like William Jackson Harper is better. Yeah. So, but did you have? Yeah, uh, the, did you have Marge? I do have the one. Uh, okay. Yes. So, do you have for Marge? Yeah, I, I don't know if she's really age appropriate for John C. Riley. Uh, but I had Melissa Fumero from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yeah. Melissa Fumero is great. She, she's yeah, really great. The problem is she's, she's not like, age-appropriate. She's in her mid-30s, and when you get to mid-30s, it's kind of less of an issue. Uh, it is, but like you put the two side by side, and it's weird. And like you'd be like, well, she could be his daughter. Because she looks young, uh, he looks old. Let me, uh, let me tell you about who I, who I paired him with. Okay, who did you pick? Did you pick? Because if you were funny John C. Riley, I'm sure you, I'm sure you came up with somebody who's a better match for John C. Riley. <laughs> I, I can tell you that they've had on-screen chemistry before, but like okay. in a different, unexpected way because they've right. definitely worked together and been a pairing. All right, Sarah Silverman. Oh, okay. <laughs> you oh, know, like- Wreck It Ralph and uh, yeah, the- I love her. Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah. sure, sure. And because okay. uh, John C. Riley's the voice of Wreck It Ralph, I think. Yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> I I don't know that I necessarily want to hear the audio of uh, you know uh, Mrs. Paranormal. You know, uh, Paranor- that's why I think it's funny because it's her messed up. Because because you know, like if she re- really lays on the accent, it's just like. No, oh God. He, <laughs> that's terrible. I know it's messed up, right? But it's funny and it works for this. It is funny and it works for this. And I do like that. And I think that they could have a good, like, sort of working relationship, a good romantic relationship. I think they could have kids and that their kids could be, you know, fun playing along with flipping ghosts. I like that. I like that. So I will give you this. And this is something you don't necessarily have to come up like right off the cuff. But okay. if we're going to give them a fake third person who turns out as a ghost this whole time, uh, start start thinking about someone who you think – because there's the obvious choice of making, making it Will Ferrell, but I don't like that. No, God, no. no. Yeah, so the who's Sherlock, some the other – Sherlock movie showed us that they shouldn't necessarily do everything together. Yeah, they did They did Step Brothers. That was, a, that was a lightning in a bottle. It's a terrible movie, but it's funny and everyone loves it. I'm thinking of an actor – but I can't actually think of what character he actually played in anything or his name. Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, this is frustrating. All right, let's, let's move on and I'll keep thinking. All right. So then the next person I have is Ma Plunkett. Okay. So uh, since we went, since we both went with Ruth Nega, um, I decided that his, that her father was, you know, ethnically Irish and that her mom would be black. So I went with Whoopi Goldberg. Who uh, has funny. done ghost movies before? Funny. Um, <laughs> it, I uh, I went Irish, <laughs> and really? I went with Fe- I went with Fiona Shaw, who is Fiona in... Shaw is Petunia Dursley in Harry Potter. Okay, uh, she's also in Killing Eve. She's in Fleabag. You look her up, and you'll be like, oh yeah, I've seen her in stuff before. Oh okay, all right, yeah, she yeah. Co- I, I, 
I saw her in my Google searches as well. Yeah, she's uh, she's a good Irish actress. I think we would probably, with makeup, age her up a little bit. Yeah, and I I think she'd just kind of be funny and kind of play around as uh, uh, yeah. Whoopi Goldberg. Honestly, <laughs> it'd be funny to make Whoopi Goldberg the ghost that's paired with John C. Riley and Sarah Silverman. <laughs> you know, because Whoopi Goldberg would be a funny ghost <laughs> who doesn't know she's a ghost. What, yeah, when did Ghost come out? Like 86, 87? <laughs> Around this time. I should know. That's yeah, like my that's yeah. like our episode six or seven or something. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that, as far as, as being an, an an elderly Irish, you know, widow you know, widow, uh hanging out in the countryside and trying to tell her daughter that, you know, the ghosts are unhappy, dear. That makes sense. Yeah. So then let's, uh, unless you had someone else for uh, the ghost haunting uh, Malcolm and Marge, let's go with Whoopi Goldberg for that. Because I think that's a great choice. All right. Sure. I mean, that kind of kills my casting for Plunkett Sr., though. Uh, Why? Oh, I I didn't cast Plunkett Sr. Tell me who you have for Plunkett Sr. Oh, okay. I had uh, Ciaran Hines. I don't know who that is. Uh, He's... um, in Game of Thrones is the King Beyond the Wall. He's in a ton of stuff. He was Caesar in HBO's Rome. Uh, he's the voice of one of the trolls in Frozen and Frozen 2. He's, you've seen him in a ton of stuff. Uh, he's an Irish actor. Um, okay. His name well, then is it's spelled C-I-A-R-A-N. Yeah, I found him. So you, you'll because, see him. Uh, because I don't have anyone for the father... We, that means we have to go with yours, which means we have to do Whoopi Goldberg and uh, Sierra and Hines. Okay. I think Whoopi Goldberg would be really good at being like, oh, yeah, the ghost, this and that. And here's this book. And like, you are just not paying attention to me, young lady. Da, 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 da. I mean, that that's not her brand at all, but I'm OK with it. Well, uh, I mean, but I, I could also see TV. I can also see Bob Plunkett getting high in the attic. <laughs> that's our brand easier um, to commune with spirits yeah so i'd send you this list ahead of time i kind of just have like hotel assistant one and hotel assistant two yeah how, um, how many so other townspeople did you cast i i wanted to do more but i ended up just doing two of them like i wanted to come up with somebody for uh for like uh katie and um oh the i wanted to come up with uh you know like some, a, a singer for you know the girl who plays at the harp and does the, the song there i mean look I at didn't... the end of the day we need a whole cast of townspeople so i'm perfectly yeah. happy let's go with both of yours and both of mine okay so well uh i, I came up for uh one of the for um Eamon. i went with uh robert sheehan uh who has been most recently in umbrella academy as the one who sees ghosts and was in um the uh, British production Misfits. Um, you'll recognize him if you if you see him. Oh yeah, he's um, great. And then Chris O'Dowd, who I briefly considered for the Plunkett role. I also briefly considered him for the Plunkett role, and then I did also eventually put him as my hotel assistant too. So I guess we'll go with three. <laughs> <laughs> I also replaced Chris O'Dowd with Ruth Nega. Oh geez! Wow, poor Chris. I mean, Chris you need O'Dowd. an Irish actor. That's Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, that's so perfect. Who is quite funny. Yeah. He's very <laughs> funny and like can kind of absolutely be kind of the assistant to Ruth Nega just like running around. So yeah, yeah. Chris O'Dowd for sure. And, and so if we I- do- 
Go ahead. Oh, if we do the thing where uh, sort of like we exonerate Mary, you know, uh, Mary and her and Martin get to rest in peace eternally, happily, and Jack and Sharon sort of rekindle their relationship, then there's an opportunity for the uh, the Plunkett character to perhaps find a relationship of her own with someone in the village. I don't know. Yeah, possibly. Who can say? Can, can but it's funny that you mentioned Sharon because my other hotel assistant is Sharon Horgan. <laughs> All right. From uh, Catastrophe, This Way Up. She's also a very funny uh, TV comedy actress, and she's Irish, and I thought she'd work well here. Good, good. I like that. Yeah, so we've got our our three hotel townspeople assistants of all kinds. So I think that works out. So uh, that leaves us with going back to Martin and figuring out a good, attractive Irishman for uh, Mm. Martin Brogan. And we have our writer-directors. Do we? I do. So we talked a little bit about this, but you kind of ran out of time. So I'm going to pitch mine. And if you like them, that's great. We'll go with them. And if you don't like them, we'll see if we can come up with someone else. Sound fair? Sounds fair. Sounds fair. So I wanted people who are very well-versed in comedy and broad, lots and lots and lots of character kind of comedy, but, Mm -hmm. and are able to serve all those different characters. But they also have kind of a, a love of the history of comedy. So they've probably seen this movie and like they themselves have been working in comedy for a really, really long time, but they've dipped into drama and kind of playing around with all of that. So okay. I went with Michael Showalter and David Wayne, who are kind of most well known for Wet Hot American Summer, which I think was kind of the closest sort of comparison in terms of tone and variety of people to what we kind of want this movie to be. You know, that is accurate. And it feels like, you know, this cast kind of feels like if Wet Hot American Summer had been made in the 80s, you could take a large portion of this cast and shove it into Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> Basically. So that's kind of why I thought that, like, so I kind of had them be like the writer directors mm. uh, for this. And I kind of thought that that's what would work for this story. Okay. I, I is that like fair? That. That is fair. I am now scrolling through a list of the 30 unbearably hot Irish men you should not miss out on. Number one, Michael Fassbender. Number two, Jamie Dornan. Yeah, John John uh, John Reese Myers. Uh, he's he's pretty good. Like he was uh, Henry in the Tudors. Uh, he would be. He would also be a good choice. And I think he could be funnier than Jamie Dornan. Yeah, um, we also have a guy have, named. But then. But then, but then we would be running the risk of casting <laughs> the man who played Henry VIII uh, as, as the husband of the woman who played his daughter, <laughs> Bloody Mary. Oh, well, we can't do that. That's weird. I don't want to do that. Is, that. I don't like that. That, that is weird. Uh, <laughs> then we have another actor who I don't specifically recognize named Aiden Turner. Who is Aiden Turner? Hmm. I, I don't I don't recognize that name either. He's thirty six. Trying to, so he's the right okay. age. Apparently, he's in Poldark, Being Human. He was in The Hobbit, something called Desperate mm. Romantics. He's yeah, I mean, apparently he's a, a good a, love a, interest. Okay, I mean, and that can work. Like if we want to sort of play that couple straight and just sort of not have them be zany, have them sort of be, have scary moments and romantic moments, um, then that can kind of work. I. I have no idea how funny he is, but I mean, we could more... also just we could always just cut out the middleman and just make him Domino Gleason. That's that guy's funny. That guy's funny, and he would work. 
Yeah, Donald Gleason. Yeah. I actually looked at, I actually looked at having Donald Gleason and Brendan Gleason do uh Plunkett and Plunkett Senior. I was like, I, I had an idea. That's terrible. Don't do that. I, I didn't want to pull in a Gleason because I like I used uh I didn't use him. He was just in the last movie I talked about. So I'm like, I've had, I, and he mm-hmm. was in the last movie we talked about, which was Assassin's Creed. And then I'd used him in the in uh, my Dune recasting, so I was all Gleasoned out. All right, all right. Donald Gleason, I think, would be a much better fit because he can. He's you know he's a great actor. He can be funny. He can definitely yeah. pull that off. And like if we, I think if that's we probably have, the way if we to go. want that character to be funny, then he can do it. And he's more age appropriate than Colin Farrell. And uh, I think he's probably funnier than uh, Jamie Dornan. Good. Yes. Yes. Sorry, Jamie Dornan. You just don't seem funny in the fall. Yeah, that's all right. And I mean, because uh, <laughs> Shades of Grey is such a is such a hoot nanny. So that's our cast. Let me uh, uh, let me take you through uh, High Spirits twenty twenty. Peter Plunkett will be played by Ruth Nega. Jack will be Rami Youssef. Sharon will be Olivia Munn. Mary Plunkett will be Sarah Bolger. Martin Brogan will be Domino Gleason. Brother Tony will be William Jackson Harper, with Miranda being Michelle Wolf. Malcolm and Marge are going to be John C. Riley and Sarah Silverman, although we don't know who's haunting them yet. I'm sure that'll come up later. Uh, Grandma Plunkett is going to be Whoopi Get Goldberg. Good, no. Pa Plunkett is going to be uh, Sierra <laughs> Hines. Uh, and our three hotel assistants are Sharon Horgan, Robert Sheehan, Shahan, and Chris O'Dowd. And then all of us will be written and directed by Michael Showalter and David Wayne. That is High Spirits. I I like it. Chris, you going to go see this movie? I am absolutely going to see this movie. I am one of the the people who's going to see it. It's going to be great. It's going to make more than half its budget, unlike the 1988 film. Yeah, it's too bad. (laughs) But okay, fair enough. We did it. We remade the movie. Chris... Tell everyone again about TMNT Minute and all the other things you'd like them to follow and look at. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is one of the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute is one of the multitude of Movies by Minutes podcasts, which you can find on MoviesByMinutes.com. We are hosted by DuelingGenre.com, and uh, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever else it is you get podcasts. I don't know. I use Google Podcasts like a sucker. Um, And we talk (laughs) about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies one minute at a time. We've done one and two. What the? Hey, shut up, Google. My phone, <laughs> my phone. My phone heard me and tried to chime in helpfully. You're a bad phone, phone. It okay. heard you insult Google. Yeah, it did. <laughs> that was weird. Because it doesn't <laughs> usually do that. Oh, my goodness. I just gendered my phone. Um, yeah, so uh, we've done the first two films. We've talked with uh, a number of people involved in the production. We, we've had interviews with the director of the first film, Steve Barron, the uh, the composer, John Dupre. We've talked to uh, the uh, uh, Francois Chow, Shredder in the second movie. We've talked to uh, Robbie Rist, the voice of Michelangelo. Uh, we, we've had... Uh, uh, we, we've had a number of conversations with people involved in making those films. We expect to have a number more, and then we will be doing the third Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie <sighs> one minute at a time, even if it doesn't deserve <laughs> it, uh, it, it very soon. And I think that uh, for entertainment you don't have to pay for, it's pretty good. Lovely.
<laughs> uh, and if you want people to follow you on Instagram or Twitter, uh, on Twitter, I am at C H R I S dot O C O N N O R I V on Instagram. Let me just check my Instagram. I think my Instagram is yeah. Stick S T I C K C A N T C stick. Can't see. And it's a joke because I'm legally blind. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H, or you can follow the podcast, which is Ideal Remake on both Twitter and Instagram, but mostly Instagram. I am, or you can join the podcast on Facebook at Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast, which I think is how this whole episode got started, because I think you commented on something on Facebook. And, yes, I did. Uh, it's amazing. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, love it. And it could happen to you, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, comment. Uh, if you want to take comment, yeah. If you want to take the time and do a, a good deed for today, feel free to go on Apple Podcasts and leave a positive five star review for either TMNT Minute or for Ideal Remake. Either one of us would be very appreciative of that. We would. And so that's all I got. So I will end with this, Chris. You've seen this movie a bunch of times. What's your favorite quote from High Spirits? Oh shoot. I knew this part was coming. Oh. <laughs> and this is a thing that's not going to be, well, it could be in the remake. There is a God. <laughs> <laughs> Just Peter O'Toole staring out to the middle distance. <laughs> there is a God. <laughs> Love it. Chris, thank you so much for being my guest this episode. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Need a glass of water? Need a bathroom run before anything? I well, uh, I just did that. I'm gonna finish this this Kira this Japanese beer, and then I'm gonna get on to my. Uh, where did my, there it is, Jameson? Because of <laughs> so you're yeah. taking this high spirits episode seriously. Ah! Ah! <laughs>